And welcome to the, oh jeez, hold on, I'm going to pause for a second. I was going to say the Pursuit Friends podcast. I haven't done that. We haven't been the Pursuit Friends podcast. Right. <laughs> Here we go. This is going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. And welcome to another episode of Joy in Java. Biblical conversations to fuel your faith. Even though it doesn't sound like it, my name is Brian Donahue. I'm just a little congested today, maybe a lot congested. Uh, so needless to say, I'm going to do something that does not come naturally on this podcast or anytime. I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut for large portions of time so that uh, Pastor Kristen can uh, be the dominant sharer this week uh, over this fantastic part of the book of John. Um, you should so. not have outed yourself that way, Brian, because, you know, then now everyone's thinking, you know, can't he do it? You've you introduced tension <laughs> into the podcast. You know, we could I, have just done that behind the scenes. You I know? feel no tension at all. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've, I've, yeah, I don't know what to say, but uh, <laughs> other than I'm, I'm glad that um, Kristen, you are healthier than I. And uh, that you uh, are going to have some fantastic input to this portion of scripture. Um, and I just got to say once again, before I be qu more quiet, is um, I'm just in love with studying the book of John. This has been such a good thing for me personally, for our network of house churches, um, to have this unique perspective into the life of Christ. And Really, that's it's called John, but this is about Jesus. We're learning about Jesus mm. and uh, his heart for us and for the earth and for eternity. And it's just, it's been an incredible refresher. Yeah, Brian, um, I, I tell an embarrassing story on myself. Years ago, um, I started, uh, signed up for a Bible study fellowship, which uh, anyone who's out there who's looking for an in-depth Bible study, they are just it's beyond fantastic it's kind of like taking an academic class and I was so excited about it and uh, signed up for it and they have 10 years of material so they will rotate through different portions of scripture so um, the year I signed up I when I found out what it was I was disappointed it was Matthew and I had and I I am I'm I say this with still a great deal of embarrassment I was like oh I, can, I know Matthew right and uh, man, was I embarrassed by the end of the study, uh, thinking that I could, you know, say this book is uh, too familiar to be really worthy of in-depth study to me. Um, I didn't say it quite that bad. I just want to give myself a little grace there. But, um, and I have to say, uh, I say that because I don't think I'm probably the only one who sometimes feels like, why do we have four Gospels? Why do we hear it so much overlap between these? But I'm telling you, um, when you allow some space for the unique voice of each of these authors to speak to you and they are sharing what they thought was the most important things that people needed to know about the time they spent with Jesus it is so rich and um like you said I, I just this has been I am not in any way tired I will be sad when John is over like just um one of the things I think I particularly appreciate is the conversations that John records. John gives us so many of the in-depth 
um, interactions of Jesus with individual people. He may not tell as many of the anecdote stories, but you get so much more of the um, just what it was like to have a conversation with Jesus, how he interacted with the world. It's yeah, it's a gift. Yeah, it is. It has been really good, and um, I, I I tell you, even this week, just just to hear. I mean, we are intrigued. We are captivated, especially as we approach into, you know, we're we're right before Jesus gets arrested here. We're really close to that. Um, the intrigue is growing in our yeah. hearts. And, um, you know, to really dive into the last words of Christ before he gets arrested and putting emphasis in that. And these are the most, these are the things he wanted to say. These are things he prayed. Um, just we're, it, feel, it feels like we're on the edge of our seats. Yeah, and it's to his closest, his most beloved, closest confidence that, you know, the people he'd spend. So that's different too, right? What you'll say in those intimate relationships is um, it just has an intensity and a depth and it's it's different than what you'd say publicly. So yeah, it's a treasure to be, kind of sitting in the room of the Last Supper all this time and thinking about what that was like. So with that, let's go to uh, John 16. We're going to start in verse 16, and we're going to finish the chapter out here. Um, and I think I'll go ahead and um, and read this. Um, one thing that I just want you to think about as you read this, uh, where are the places in your life where you are struggling with something where you are facing something really difficult where you're seeking direction from the lord on um on a situation or on a decision or something even in yourself um because what we're really seeing here is the disciples are struggling and um i just want you to be able to pay close attention um to how jesus deals with them you know he's about to go to the cross He's about to be arrested. He's about to die a horrible death. He He's about to save the world. He's got a lot on his mind. And I don't know about uh, you who listen, but when I feel that way, I could become very self-focused and very impatient uh, with those around me and um, can be like, it'll all work out in the end. So um, this is exactly where we're finding the disciples and Jesus at this point. And um, Jesus has just, um, begun to explain to them that he is going away, but that the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Jesus will come and be with them. And they're still trying to wrap their heads around that. And so with that, we're in verse 16. So uh, Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, and so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. 
you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father who himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me alone, yet I am not alone for the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I hope that you put yourself in the disciples' uh, shoes a little bit and um, that you noticed how uh, gently and parentally uh, Jesus takes uh, his his direction with these disciples he's explaining to them that he's about to leave and they are so confused um, as they normally are but it is interesting that even after all this time with Jesus they would rather try to sort it out without asking him first Um, and so they're saying we don't understand what what he's saying and they're talking back and forth to each other and um, I almost imagine Jesus like a parent who's overhearing a conversation uh, maybe in the back seat of the car or something like would you like me to explain it to you now like are you ready to hear what's actually going on Um, and he, he he steps in to say, you know, I see that you're still confused. Let, let me help you. Stra- let me help straighten you out. And I just love the way Jesus is caring for his disciples. Um, he could have very easily been preoccupied, like we talked about in the introduction, but he doesn't. He wants to prepare them. He knows how he puts himself in their situation, how hard this is going to be. He knows how confused they are, how limited their understanding is. And I just love the time he invests to make sure that he has prepared them and given them everything they need to go through what's coming next. Um, that's I just love that. Um, so he, he goes on to say, not only are you going to weep and mourn, um, but the world is going to rejoice. 
And I think that is such an important thing that he that he puts in this uh, that we could run right by. That's in verse 20. Um, just that sense of you're going to be an outsider. Other people are not going to get it. You're going to be alone in this. Um, and that's going to just add pain right to to the suffering that you're already feeling you're already you're going to feel even more like an outsider and to the early church who john was writing to who was going through this situation where they were being put out of the synagogues and um dismissed by their own leaders it had to be a comfort to recognize that the, the original disciples felt this way and that jesus knew this was going to be the case and is equipping both the disciples and the early Christians and us um, for walking our way through a world that doesn't always understand where we're at. That's that's a really good point, Kristen, because we have to remember we're reading this and thinking of it as like real time, like we're watching right. this on YouTube or something, right? Um, whatever news network you follow and you, you know, <laughs> as, but yeah. this, this was written some years after these events right. so the church would have been in uh starting to at the very least experience crisis and persecution on a much larger scale and so for john to write about these words of christ huge comfort huge peace you know like like wow jesus said and may, maybe they knew some of these things through the stories you know that were told um, and the disciples certainly preaching the gospel, sure. talking about Jesus, but to have this stuff written down uh, for the encouragement of other people, man alive, what what comfort that would be to actually have the words of Jesus talking about this stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, I think um, because we are made in God's image, there's just this profound sense of weight as we move through this broken world of this is not the way it's supposed to be. And you can apply that to an infinite number of circumstances and to know, to have these words preserved, that this is how Jesus deals with his children in the midst of that kind of situation is to say, like, listen, I get it. The world is really broken. They're not going to understand you. Um, but then he's going to go on to make sure that they know where this, the source of hope is. And um, as Jesus does, he uses uh, um, illustrations that they could wrap their heads around and that we can wrap our heads around. And so he goes into this illustration of a woman in labor. And we we had a lot of fun talking about this in our house our house church. You did. Um, anyway, <laughs> we, <laughs> yes, didn't. we did. Women in our house are saying, "Let's move right along past this, please." That is a I'm mistake. Just, that is kidding. a mistake. I'm totally right? kidding. <laughs> I know you totally are. Kidding. Okay. <laughs> but we just talked about how, um, you know, whether you're the woman labor or you're the person watching labor, it is like a kind of a terrifying experience. And in the early in the ancient world. It, it, the outcome was far from certain. It was much more dangerous than we in our Western eyes see. And uh, they didn't have the pain medication. They didn't have the interventions. So Jesus is saying, like, look, this this excruciatingly kind of scary situation happens. But once that baby is there, nobody cares anymore. 
it is all worth it. And women will say, I'll do that again. We all kind of laugh about it. But those of us who've had more than one pregnancy, like, I don't know what happens. Some sort of like eraser comes and you're like, yeah, let's do that again. That's that was good. We'll do that again. But um, what? Men in black. With yeah. Little... <laughs> is that what it is? Are you saying the men do it? <laughs> Never mind. That that analogy is just stupid. I, I liked it, actually. Oh. I think it's funny. <laughs> uh, but we were just talking about what a powerful image that is. And the, once that new life is there, nobody cares about what it took to bring that new life into the world. And an amazing, miraculous thing happens where there is a new soul in the room like... Um, and you cannot undo that, right? No one can take that joy away because of the newness that is there. So we had a lot of fun talking not only about labor, but also about um, how brilliant we've been talking about new life, new spiritual life, to be born again, you know, that idea that what what didn't have life, now there's this new thing happening. Um, and Jesus is talking about how, you know, he's going to go to the cross, but then... But then, right, then the Holy Spirit comes and and the world busts open and there is new life that comes out of all of that pain and suffering. Um, so we 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 really enjoyed uh, that connection there. We were also talking about um, just how that uh, we, you know, since we live in the now and the not yet kingdom, right, we're kind of in that too, where we're working out new life and, and trying to birth little bits of the kingdom <laughs> in all kinds of places. And we can very much be in the pain and the struggle. Um, and then there'll be those moments when you kind of see a little breakthrough and there's that profound joy of, you know, oh, God, help me do, you know, bring a little bit of how things should be to this world. Um, so that's, we just, we, we enjoyed that um, a lot. Yeah, so love, then Jesus, oh, go ahead, Brian. Well, I was, I was going to, I don't know if you're going to, um, in verse 24 there. Yes. Uh, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Um, very interesting to me in that, because it may sound on the surface like Jesus is saying, whatever you need, I'm here, you know, like, uh, uh, that was quite snarky, uh, you know, like like <laughs> like what, a genie you know, in a bottle. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, Santa Claus. I think we talked about that before. Um, but that really, there's this relational aspect to talking with the Father and asking God for things, and in Jesus's name, um, the power that's there, and uh, it's, it's so that your joy may be full. And I believe this is more so talking about a kingdom perspective than it is a needs or a wants type deal that, that Jesus is, these these men and women are literally going to go and cast out demons. They're going to face governmental leaders who don't like them. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to face all sorts of adversity. And Jesus is... To me, this reverts back to that all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And when we see that in the Great Commission, that that is what's going to be poured back out onto these men and women in the early church here. Um, so just for me, that's that's fascinating that, that your joy may be full. And that's that has nothing to do with earthly position, possessions, anything like that. It's It's a kingdom thing here. 
Yeah, I love that. I, I, it's an, an amazing verse. Um, and really, those that kind of joy is rooted in something so much deeper. We would all like all of the <laughs> surface things, questions to be answered. and But we also kind of know on some level, because we're grownups, um, that, that those things really don't satisfy. I mean, most of them, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we'd like all that stuff. I'd like all the hard things on my list to be taken care of today. But you know what? They'd be more on my list tomorrow. Like, you know, so it's not that God doesn't care about those things. What I really want is that joy of his presence that sustains me no matter what happens in the brokenness around the world. Yeah. And I love right before that, Brian, um, that he is, he's bringing them into, you know, he says, I'm not going to have to ask things for you. You get to ask the father directly. And I feel like he's expanding their understanding of, of who God is, you know, that God is three in one and, you know, they've had Jesus there with them, but he doesn't want them to start to think of him as something that, keeps the father at a at an arm's length right you know like he's not he's saying like like there is no separation i'm not keeping i'm not the go-between in a way that keeps you at a distance even Uh, even breaking down the whole priestly order exactly go through a priest i mean jesus obviously being the ultimate priest yes but even even in that functional earthly way that priests were um, you know, you had to go through them at the temple to offer sacrifice, all this stuff. Right. Um, even right. that, there's some breaking down of that mentality in the disciples that you have a direct line. Yeah, absolutely. Right to the Father's heart. Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking um, of a connection I hadn't thought of earlier, but you go back to the Old Testament when Israel for the first time says, you know what, we want a king, an earthly king, like all the other nations have. And God says, you don't want that. You don't want an intermediary between me and you. You, It's not going to end well that you don't want a human in that position because they will uh, exploit you. You're putting taxes, man. They're going to want some taxes. You're going to want your daughters. They're going to want your sons. They're going to want to be right. All of those things. uh, Such a powerful and sad passage there. But really what the Israelites are saying is we want some distance between you, God, and us like we're we we would like someone to go in between and you see that in other cases too where they didn't want to and jesus in in this sense is breaking that down saying no 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 you go directly to the father the father loves you the father god that you that they were more familiar with right before jesus showed up he and i are one and you you'll be able to ask directly of that god I just love that. <laughs> yeah, just those little bits slipped in there, right, into what is a, a really rich discussion. So then he he like going to make it even clearer, and he goes on to say um, that the time is coming when I'm going to speak more plainly to you, and uh, you will ask in my name. Oh, okay, we just said that. Yes. <laughs> and then he says, I'm going to the Father. I've entered the world, and I am going back to the Father. Um, and Isn't we, that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't go, Brian. In. Okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, turn back to Malachi. Oh. Okay? Because um, this, is, this is really powerful, and the verse you just read, I think, speaks to this. Because uh, what we know is that in between Old and New Testaments, there's about 400-ish years 
of silence where literally the presence of God is removed from Israel. Okay? There is there's no interaction as far as tangible presence of God that is recorded anywhere. And so here's here's what Malachi sets the scene for, okay? This is so neat in this passage. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. This is Malachi um, 4, verse 4. Remember the law of, my, of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The disciples actually ask about this in Matthew 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. In the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. What what is happening as we read through the book of John, as we learn about the life of Jesus, is that there is a there is a literal God has been waiting for a people to say, We our hearts are turned back to the Father, right? Because what you just said, Kristen, you said they wanted a king. They wanted an earthly king. And God's yeah, like, I don't right. think, I don't think you really thought this, you know. And <laughs> yeah. so what their hearts were turned away right. from their true king, their true father. And here Jesus is coming back. And what is he doing? He's pointing them to the father. He's returning the hearts of the sons and daughters to the father. And that's so cool. And like, that's that Kristen, that's my heart cry for us as a church Yeah, is that we would not lose that, that we would grow in our desire to know our heavenly father and that we would have a hunger and a thirst and that, that, that we would continually ask for more. I think that God, I wasn't going to talk a lot, but this is just stirring in my heart that, that we can never know the fullness of God's presence and his power and his might, his goodness, his grace, his judgment. Oh, I mean, everything. I mean, we just cannot fathom in our human brains the depth, how depth, how, how deep and why and all the stuff yeah. is the love of God, all yeah. that stuff. Um, but we should, we should always be asking for more. And I think we see that happening. We're about to see that unleashed in the early church. As the Holy Spirit comes, they realize there's a lot more here. Jesus was right. <laughs> Our eyes should be on the Father, and the Holy Spirit helps us do that and le- shows us truth and leads us into this great adventure we're about to or we're we're entering. And so I just that's a link there between Old and New Testament. Like Jesus is fulfilling this. He's saying, "Hearts of the fathers, or hearts of the sons, return to the fathers." Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, here's the Father. And this whole group of people are falling back, in, not just with Jesus, but with the Father. This yeah. is really powerful. Now I'm going to be quiet and mute my mic. Again. No, that was fantastic, Brian, because you think about they they had studied the Father. They worshiped the Father. It, they They were Jews. They had this rich history. And then Jesus came and sort of, upset the whole apple cart and made them question everything that they understood about the father and how this was supposed to work. And if, I think you're right in this moment, Jesus is in, in, in many, I suppose, but bringing them back together. He's like, look, 
I am the father, <laughs> right? All that stuff you knew, plus all the stuff you've learned, turn your hearts back to the father, right? I, I, and, I, and I have loved the way Jesus has cared for these kids, these spiritual kids all the way out through John. And that's going to go even further in the next just few verses because we could stop here and feel like we're on the mountaintop and it's fantastic. And, you know, the disciples say, now we really get it because you didn't even need us to ask the questions. Like we totally understand. And just like any good parent who knows that a kid is about to make a mistake because you know your kids, <laughs> Jesus says, hold, hold up just a second. I just want you to know. Right. A time is coming when you're all going to be scattered and you're all going to go back to your own homes. Like he he knows there's a big fall coming here, but he's not angry. He's not snarky. He's not. He says, let me prepare you because he says, number one, I'm not going to be alone. I'm with the father. And secondly, take heart. Right. Have peace. I have overcome the world. Can you imagine what kind of consolation it must have been to them to look back on these words in the midst of being scattered and wondering what's going to happen next, to know that Jesus knew this was going to happen. And he assured us that he is to overcome the world. This is not a shock because it's shocking to them, but it's not a shock to him. Um, and I, you know, for the, for us to follow in this, there are so many times when you think, oh, my gosh, how did I end up here again? Right. How did I run into this wall of my humanity again or the wall of someone else, my someone else's humanity? It's so frustrating. It's so hard. And just to be reminded that, no, this is Jesus knew this was going to be this way and that we can have peace and peace is that like. Not the fluffy piece. We're talking about shalom peace. We're talking about everything being as it should be. And that's that living in the um, kind of the spiritual imagination of how it will be when it's restored and it has started, but not yet, right? Of knowing that you have that security that at one day this will all be right. And in the meantime, Jesus walks with me, helping me through the hot mess that sometimes this world can be. Um, yeah, just encouraging us. That's so good. And, uh, you know, as as you said, that peace, Jesus Jesus says, in me you may have peace. Yeah, yeah. You'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Tribulation and cheer should never be in the same sentence together. <laughs> well, then you're reading the wrong book. But. <laughs> Sorry Jesus, to tell you that. Jesus says. You can go through tribulation, hardship, and still be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And, you know, it's interesting, Kristen, we talked about at Whitmer House Church where we jumped into 17 this past week, and we'll do that next week on the podcast. But um, Jesus says something. I want to say this briefly to bring bring kind of bring this to a conclusion here. Um, but he prays a prayer, and he says, I do not. Pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. It's interesting because so often, Kristen, our prayers as Christians is, Lord, save me out of this misery. And 
I think I think with all the good intention, I think oftentimes also those are pure. It's, it's God, this is really hard, and I trust you, but if you could yeah. do this, could you please take this away from me? Um, I don't think we should not pray for that either. I'm not trying to say that at all. But I just, our hearts as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, should be so burdened for the people around us and for this earth that our prayers are not just based around our own comfort and our own desire to see Christ's kingdom come to the earth. We should have the patience of God himself with those around us that everyone has every opportunity possible to hear the name of Jesus and to respond to that good news. And that, yes, we can look forward to as Christians for an eternity where there is no weeping, no sorrow, where we get to worship Jesus 24-7 and new bodies, all that stuff, you know, all that stuff that we talk about. But our hearts, we need to make, we need to be praying. And I encouraged our house church, we need to pray, Lord, come when you have used me to reach as many people as possible for Jesus. Make sure we have the opportunity to work in this assignment and in this kingdom. And I don't want the kingdom of God to, to or the, how, how can I say this? The kingdom of God is already here. We know that. So I want to be careful theologically that I'm expressing this correctly. Yeah. But I just, the, I don't want to slow anything down because I am lazy and heartless about those around me knowing Jesus, that maybe God has called me to reach right in my everyday life. If you want the kingdom of God to come, Christian, then get out of the pews, get off your couch, and go. It's not a God come and save me from this hellhole. It's a God send me, here am I, send me. And so we can look forward to the eternal part of this kingdom where there's no sorrow, no grief, all that stuff, new heaven, new earth. But we also should be praying at the same time that, Lord, through this, through these trying times, through this tribulation, help me be of good cheer because I know ultimately who wins. And I know also that you've given me a mission for right here today and that all authority on heaven and earth is given to you. Therefore, it's given to me. I have nothing to fear. And give me a heart for the nations. Give me a heart for those around me. And I believe if, if we have that heart and that mentality, we can change the world. We can change our workplaces. We can change our schools. Uh, or let me say, God can use us as a part of that change. We can influence and maybe be the spark that lights the fire for the gospel to spread everywhere we go. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That... And it's, it's the picture of Jesus who was with the father, who was insulated from the brokenness of the sin of the world, who didn't have to uh, experience the stuff we go through in our physical limited mortal bodies and who did not consider that something to be grasped at, but gave it all up and came into the mess not stood outside it and called, but stepped into a human body like we're going to celebrate coming up at Christmas 
went through the whole process, didn't rush it one moment, didn't get distracted by the next thing enough so that he didn't have time to explain to the people and prepare them. He, he poured himself into them and even his leaving is so that he can come back as the Holy Spirit and indwell his people and be available and open, which is what we've always dreamed of, that we could have that open communion with the Lord. Amen. And that is exactly his picture. And, you know, in our house church, we've been saying, Jesus did God things, then the disciples are going to do Jesus things. <laughs> and we are the disciples, right? But we don't do it alone. We do it with Jesus. It's as if Jesus walks, we say that a lot, but it is truth to say Jesus is with us at, at each moment and that we do this with him. Yeah. Amen. That's outstanding. That's, we're going to end with that. I, that's just so good. Uh, thank you, Kristen, for bearing with me and bearing the brunt of the discussion today. Um, uh, I really appreciate you, sister. And appreciate all of our listeners as well for putting up with this voice today. Um, <laughs> but uh, we so, so appreciate you listening and sharing this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Pursuit Friends Church and our network of house churches, go to our Facebook page. We have a page there you can join and follow the daily or weekly comings and goings of all things Pursuit. You can also go to our website if you'd care to donate and uh, sow into the ministry that God is doing here at pursuit at, by going to pursuitfriends.org slash give. And uh, I I just got to say, Kristen, God is up to something. He's doing new things all around us. And it is such a privilege to be a part of Pursuit Friends, to be a part of the Eastern region of Friends and uh, the body of Christ as a whole. Because um, I, I tell you what, we live in really dynamic times uh, where the harvest, the harvest is there. The Bible says, I believe that's true. As dark as it can seem sometimes, holy cow, <laughs> there is, there is great light to be shined yeah. all over this place. Mm. So church, those listening, uh, if you're a believer of Jesus, true disciple sees darkness and seeks to transform it. That's what we're called to in mm. Jesus name. Catch you guys next week.